0: Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your very own primary care provider. Now, today we're going to talk about a very important topic because for all those of you who have maybe kids or relatives or friends who happen to play with some of the organized sports leagues around town, or if you have anybody you know who happens to play sports in one of our public high schools, we are the only state in the nation that has full-time athletic trainers at every public high school. So. What is an athletic trainer? And it just so happens that March is National Athletic Training Month, and Granted, we, we are in April, but that being said, that does not take away the fact that this is a very important distinction, and we're going to talk today about what are some of the things that an athletic trainer has to do to become such a person in that profession, and what sorts of things do they see out there in the field, and how can we all be safe if we decide we're going to play some type of organized sports? So joining me today is Sam Lee. He is an athletic trainer. He is nationally certified and state registered. He is at the Hawaii Baptist Academy, and he's also the president of the Hawaii Athletic Trainers Association here in the islands. Thank you for joining me, Sam.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, we've talked before about a couple of different things. We've talked about concussions, and we've talked about some other injuries. But one of the things that I think bears some mentioning is, you know, I couldn't just go out there and, well, people would know and say, I'm an athletic trainer because, A, I'm certainly not an athlete, and, B, you have to go through a certain level of training to become an athletic trainer. What exactly is that?
1: Well, with athletic training, uh, basically you need to go through an accredited program of athletic training. Our profession is one which uh, we've had both undergraduate and graduate programs in athletic training, but we are moving towards all graduate programs now. Um, after having gone through that accredited uh, university-type um, program, you are then allowed to sit for the National Board of Certification exam. You sit for that, you pass that, you are a certified athletic trainer once you've finished off all your graduate degree requirements also. Um, And then you can go ahead and try to find a job. Now, uh, in almost every state in the union, uh, there is maybe one or two exceptions there. Um, Just like in the medical profession, there is state licensure or state registration. Here in Hawaii, We just received state registration uh, in 2012. And uh, so before that time, anybody could call themselves in Hawaii an athletic trainer. And leave Even
0: it. I could have said anybody. Yeah. I was an athletic trainer. And yeah. trust me, I could not have pulled that off at <laughs> all. But OK. Yeah. So 2012, they kind of said, hey, this isn't going to work. We've got to go ahead and do something to make sure that we regulate this because there's a thought, and, and it's definitely true, that if you are assessing somebody on the field, you're actually providing medical care. You're providing health care.
1: Right. And we're basically providing that pre-hospital Healthcare, And thanks it, for doing that. Yeah, Well, thank you for uh, allowing us to. Um, we're trying to take care of maybe a lot of bumps and bruises, ankle sprains, strains, but we are also trained to help deal with a concussion, to deal with heat illness management, uh, cervical spine injuries. And would you want somebody that's not trained in that to take care of those kind of injuries?
0: Absolutely not. Um, and
1: that's why we're wanting to make sure that um, we fought long and hard for many years. Um, Hata or the Hawaii Athletic Trainers Association, has been around since 1985. But uh, the state has not regulated the profession uh, until 2012. And from 2012 until now, it's 2018, we've had regulation. It's called State Registration for Athletic Trainers. And as such, um, I'm thinking other professions, but I only know it for athletic training, um, they go through what's called a sunset review. So after about five, six years, we're going through a sunset review now, and uh, the state auditor will look at the profession, give their recommendations, and they have given a recommendation to the legislature who then has to decide, do we still want to regulate this profession? Uh, and it goes back and forth from the state, or from the Senate to the House, and the language has to be clear on that. And we're hoping that that'll pass, but we've been gearing up for that all this time because... If come June 30th, 2018, they say, no, we don't need to regulate this profession. We go back to the days of anybody can call themselves an athletic trainer. And I'm guessing legally we can't do anything about it, at least in this state.
0: Now, some of the things that you do involve some of the public high schools. What exactly do athletic trainers do at some of the high schools? Because there's a lot of sports. You know, I'm always amazed that sometimes when you look at the statistics – the areas where people get injured the most, you know, you would expect football, but you might not expect things like girls cheerleading mm-hmm. and or you know soccer or basketball or some things that don't strike you as 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 potentially dangerous. I don't want to say dangerous, but but dangerous as like football. That's more of a contact sport. You know, I don't necessarily think of. Love soccer as a contact sport, but maybe it is. So, what sorts of things do athletic trainers do in some of our
1: public schools? So, a typical day might be: um, you go in more in the afternoons, early afternoons after school is out, or a little bit before school is out. Uh, there's a big rush of kids right after school because they all want to get to their practices, but they want to be taken care of, treated, maybe taped up, bandaged up. But only if they're doing all their rehab exercises, they go off to their practices. The athletic trainer uh, may monitor all of that, uh, take care of those injuries as it needs to, or if there's a prolonged or longer-term chronic injury, they're doing some rehab with that. They may have to run off to cover a competition, uh, or the competition runs later into the evening. And then, of course, that includes weekend Saturdays. And for um, college and pros, that can include Sundays, too.
0: Sure, because you know, that's when you see a lot of fields being used. You see, you see students playing, and that's when they can have games. It's kind of hard to do that during the school day. Usually Correct. that's not really allowed. So by nature, your profession is sort of a, afternoon, evening, weekend kind yeah. of profession.
1: We call it a swing shift. I, I call it a swing shift swing kind shift. of pro- that's, profession.
0: That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. So when you describe some of the things that you do, you, know, you help some of the student athletes with some of the activities that they're involved in and also help them with rehabilitation and things, what are some common types of injuries that you handle on a daily basis?
1: Uh, for me, it would probably be a lot of lower extremity injuries because I have a large track and cross-country team. Uh, But that could also include upper extremity injuries, musculoskeletal injuries of the arm, shoulder, uh, elbow, wrist, fingers, kind of things. Low back injuries, maybe uh, for some of those in sports where there's a lot of extension of the back, Um, knees, hips, and uh, but they can run a gamut of things. And you know, in just running back to uh, mentioning about the hours, I wanted to be fair to those of my colleagues in. Uh, say, the college settings where their days are even longer. They may start early practices, and so they can go all day. Um, so we see the gamut of injuries. The ones that we worry about the most, the most acute ones, are going to be like our um, concussions. And that's been a big thing for a while. In 2016 alone, uh, we kind of have done some studies, a uh, uh, shout-out to an organization called HCAMP, Hawaii Concussion Assessment Management Program, uh, helped us tally up uh, from the different schools, high schools, public and private schools. How many concussions are we actually seeing? Yeah, how it many? came up over a thousand uh, just over in a thousand. 2016. In one year? In one year.
0: Just here in the state?
1: Yes. And so the ones that are reported. The ones that are reported, exactly. Even more. Right? And wow. um, so, how do we manage that? And we've been trying to work with um, different medical professions and then the community. Um, our administrators, coaches, uh, student-athletes. You know, what are the signs and symptoms of a concussion? How do we manage it? How we bring you back from that? Just that alone, do you want an unregistered, non-licensed person taking care of that?
0: Well, I know that... If I were athletic, I would want to make sure that somebody was helping me out because I'm I'm probably prone to injure myself with thinking I can do more than I can. Alright, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to the Body Show. I'm here with Sam Lee. He is an athletic trainer that's nationally certified, state registered at Hawaii Baptist Academy and the current president of the Hawaii Athletic Trainers Association. When we come back we're gonna talk some more about concussion, what are those signs and symptoms and why boy some of the knowledge that athletic trainers have could help any Any one of us, including those weekend warriors who always think that that's the best time to get in their exercise and hurt themselves, and I say that because I tend to do that. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us.
1: Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming.
0: Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Sam Lee. He's an athletic trainer, and you're sharing with us some of the statistics. In 2016, in the state of Hawaii, the number of concussions that were actually reported were 1,092 right here in the islands. And that's just the ones that are reported, because certainly... Kids can have injuries. They may not think there's a concussion, or they may just not recognize it. And therefore, there could be more that are underreported. So, let's talk about what are the symptoms of concussion. So, if you were currently working over the weekend, monitoring and going to a competition, What would be things that would make you think that somebody had a concussion? Because sometimes the obvious ones, like they have to lose consciousness, is not always the case. So tell me more about how I would know. Let's just pretend I was athletic because that's some serious pretending. Uh And how would I know if I had a concussion?
1: Well, a lot of times one of the reasons that we're there at those competitions uh, and practices is so that we can see uh, the mechanism of injury. Uh, by the time you go to the hospital or to a doctor, uh, you might be feeling better or, you know, the doctor did not see, the healthcare provider did not see the mechanism of injury. Uh, hopefully, by us being there in the pre-hospital setting on the fields and courts and wherever, we might be able to see what the mechanism of injury is. And that might tip us off already. Secondly, then we're looking for different things such as headaches, dizziness, uh sensitivity to light sensitivity to noise um uh Do I have to
0: fall to have this happen? Or, you know, I often think about years ago, boy, many, many years ago, I remember when I was in grade school, I used to like to play soccer and Mm -hmm. everybody always said, you have to, you know, one of the things to practice is hitting the head with with the ball. And and I was always bad at anything that had to do with a ball coming towards me. I mean, I've run away. So I was never really good at that. And these days, I'm kind of happy that was one of my I can't do it things because that could potentially cause a problem, hitting the ball with your head, having it come at some high velocity. What would be some of the mechanisms by which different sports would have concussions? You mentioned you deal with track. There might be other sports, football I can think of, soccer, basketball. What are some of the physical things that you might see as a trainer that could lead someone to getting a concussion?
1: Sure. Uh, So mechanism of injury, maybe we know from seeing football, two heads colliding together. Or it could be somebody on a basketball court that got tripped and lands back of their head. It's not necessarily them running into somebody else. Even had a cross-country runner one year that as they're going through a narrow pass through a gate, uh, it's too narrow, somebody kind of bumps them, they run into the gate. Um, So like, wow, cross-country, you can get a concussion? You can. Yeah, Uh, I guess so. Could even be um, a sport such as uh, judo or wrestling where they're on padded mats, but if they get hit with enough force, they can get a concussion also.
0: Well, you know, somebody once described it as think about, and tell me what you think about this. Think about your brain as sort of like an egg yolk suspended in that like white stuff that's actually clear until you cook it in a shell. So, you know, when you shake that up quite a bit, you do have some protection. Our brain is filled is surrounded by fluid that that is supposed to help provide some protection. But you still are shaking that. And depending on the intensity for which you shake it or jolt it, you could actually lead to the same type of symptoms of concussion because you have that head jolting. It doesn't mean you have to lose consciousness. You could still be alert the whole time.
1: Correct. You don't have to lose consciousness to suffer a concussion. And that's something we want to make sure that people know Um, because maybe there are some old school folks. He never lost con- uh, consciousness, so he doesn't have a concussion. That's not true. Uh, the symptoms and the signs and symptoms that we just talked about, if they're exhibited uh, afterwards and they're sustained, then we want to take good care of them that way.
0: Other than concussions, you mentioned, you know, you're doing track and field, so you see injuries that might occur in the lower extremities. This is another area where I think visualizing the mechanism of injury is very helpful. You know, certainly when you're worried about concussion and head injury, but there's other injuries that you can, people can experience. And as an athletic trainer, you have that ability. Should you witness the injury or should you see how that athlete is using their body or changing how they use their body that you can often come up with a mechanism of injury that you would have the experience to be able to determine and that could help you to explain what the rehabilitation would be. What are some common like lower extremity injuries that you might see?
1: A lot of times we'll see uh, some of our student athletes with uh, what we call shin splints. Now, that's kind of a catch-all term. It could be a lot of different things with the medial tibial uh, area, medial tibial stress syndrome, um, they have tight calves, uh, they have weak hips, causing them to just run in a imbalanced way that causes they have bad footwear, bad shoes, um, and so... As they come to see, see us, and some of them are, can be as young as, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, and they may not have even experienced pain in this way before. So they're sometimes struggling for even the words to articulate what they're feeling. And so just trying to draw them out and say, okay, where where is the pain coming from? And let's look at your shoes. Let's look at how you walk. Let's look at how you run. And uh, now that seems like, oh, that's pretty good. But... We don't necessarily always have appointments, so when every kid comes rushing in with those kind of problems or other ones right after school, before practice, it's a little bit like uh, McDonald's at rush hour.
0: <laughs> well, and that's yeah, that that's like my office on a Monday or something when yeah. the weekend is coming across. So, so I've got a curious thought. You know, we see that there are athletic trainers available at high schools, mm-hmm. and yet there are some adult leagues and, and sports teams that get together and play. Are there athletic trainers for adults?
1: It depends on the, those particular leagues. If they value health care, um, maybe they have an athletic trainer on site, maybe for a large tournament. Pickup games, maybe they won't have that. Um, it's interesting, I got a call even from uh, far away from one of my coaches that was just off on a vacation skiing and said that, Hey Sam, something happened here. Uh, could I get your thoughts on it? Professional opinion. I'm like, well, it can only be so good from so many miles away. I can't see the injury. I can't feel it, touch it, but here's some thoughts. Well, thanks. You know, to be able to provide that is actually very rewarding for me. Um, So in terms of how rewarding or how much it's valued by people in adult leagues, uh, we're available, but we're not going to necessarily always give it away because if we do, how much do you really value it? Well,
0: true. And I think your professional services require the degree of reimbursement that you charge because for you to be there and to give out advice, you know, how many times do I go somewhere and somebody says, oh, you're a doctor. Can I just show you this mole or something else? And it's like, well, you could. I'm at the beach. Not really the place I want to be looking at your moles, but okay. You know, so sometimes you sort of want to have some personal time and and Mm -hmm. not necessarily give out medical opinions that could be problematic should you say something wrong, but, you know, also it's not really valuing your expertise and the hard work you put in to get to where you're at. So, yeah, I mean, I always think to myself, if I was ever doing a sport, which, trust me, would be a scary thought, that I would want to have somebody help me if I injured myself because the likelihood is pretty high I would do that I'm certainly not uh, the athlete that I've never been I think in school I joined mathletes because math problems were my athletic endeavor so for those people who who want to get back into doing some of the exercise and activity that maybe they did in high school are there some things that they should consider to minimize injury I mean you deal with students who have young bodies that are able to recover from injuries really quickly. And then there's the adults like myself who aren't so young anymore and might want to do some of these athletic activities, but don't want to have some of the injuries you talk about now. Mm -hmm. Granted, an overuse injury is unlikely for me. Trust me. But, you know, when we think about somebody who wanted to go into track and field or they wanted to go back into doing running and other activities, what sorts of things should they consider when they're deciding to do some type of athletic endeavor?
1: First thing they should do is just make sure that they're healthy enough for it probably see their primary care physician just to make sure that they're in good physical health.
0: Right. They're not going to harm themselves, have a heart attack on the way right. or something like that.
1: From there, then it's up to them which route they want to go. Some people might see uh, want to pursue uh, greater health and physical activity through a personal trainer, and we don't necessarily discourage that. But we want to make sure that people are clear about the distinction between a personal trainer and an athletic trainer. An athletic trainer will provide, is a medical um, healthcare professional. A personal trainer is more in the fitness field. Now, there could be some overlaps within that, and uh, we certainly don't want to take that away. Um, But the more people value their health and physical well-being these days, we live in a state in Hawaii where people might be a little bit more active just because the weather's nicer, uh, be it sand or surf or anywhere in between. Um, And so we're, as athletic trainers, going to be a little bit more on the healthcare side, but that doesn't mean that we can't push forwards towards uh, personal training too and offering that as a service uh, to people to help them with their whatever their physical activity goals are.
0: Well, I wanted to get to that distinction because there is a difference. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Sam Lee. He is an athletic trainer at Hawaii Baptist Academy, president of the Hawaii Athletic Trainers Association. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about why you may want to get to know the athletic trainer who might just be at the local school right by where you live. We'll be right back after this quick break. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training, Moyer Financial, and Kaiser Permanente. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Sam Lee, and we're talking about athletic trainer issues? What are the common things that they deal with? And what are some of the ways that we can help support that profession? Now, when you think about it, athletic trainers are sort of first responders on the field. So if you're at a game, or some type of competition, the first responder who's going to help with some type of an injury is going to be you. So when you deal with things like that, you know, I know in the medical profession, I remember ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation, check a pulse, do that sort of stuff. That's sort of what we learn as medical students to be first responders. But you guys do some other assessments, because, again, you're the first responders on the field. What are some of the things that you look at when you see somebody who has had an acute injury?
1: Well, we're looking at, again, mechanism of injury.
0: How it happened.
1: um, How it happened. And then we'll kind of try and get a little bit of a history as much as we can while they're kind of there dealing with the injury. And sometimes you've got to get past the emotion and the pain of it all to try to get what exactly, not just the mechanism, but what did you have for breakfast this morning? You know, at the end of a cross country race, person has just fallen, collapsed. Well, they didn't twist their ankle, they didn't run into anybody. It's probably not a concussion, although we just talked about how we've even seen right, but they might not have eaten or hydrated enough, or and they may not have gotten enough sleep because they're studying late into the night beforehand. Um, so, how does that affect them when they got to the starting line, and then when they are trying to cross the finish line on a hot, humid Hawaii day? Um, we've had to deal with heat emergencies. And I feel like our dealing and management with heat um, uh, emergencies has really evolved. Um, This coming June, we'll have a state symposium for the Hawaii athletic trainers. And we're bringing in some of the folks. uh, And this is a shout out to any other healthcare professional that might want to know, how do we deal with heat illnesses acutely, pre-hospital wise? Uh, We'd like to be able to Dialogue with people in the hospital, pre hospital, even post hospital, uh, as to how do we best do that. So, a shout out to any healthcare professionals that might be interested. We're bringing in some of the uh, heat illness management experts June 1st, June 2nd to our HATA State Symposium. But what we've seen in terms of heat illness management evolve to lately, it used to be oh, put an ice pack on them and then send them in the ambulance really quickly. But what we found now is that well, what if they're in an ambulance that is stuck in traffic and the air conditioner isn't working that well or is it work is there even air conditioning in the back of an ambulance? This person has just overheated and they're still hot. They're like baking, they're cooking. Why couldn't we have put them in a tub or something beforehand to try to cool them down? Um and just teaching coaches, parents student athletes, administrators, that that's what we want to do before we transport. Cool first, transport second. Uh, And then also, are we getting an accurate measurement of their temperature?
0: That's a really interesting point because – how do you measure temperature in the field? I mean, I certainly know how you do it in my office. They have okay. the forehead scanners, or they have these other uh, ones that you can do, tympanic temperatures you can do, and then there's the good old under-the-tongue temperature, but that's in a controlled office setting. Okay. How do you do it in the field?
1: That's <laughs> that is one of the hottest topics I feel like we have Literally to deal with Literally the hot it. topic about checking yeah. a hot temperature. Okay, well, so the gold standard we've heard is taking it rectally.
0: Yeah. And in public, you're not making any friends there.
1: Okay. So yeah, now you've, you know, um, we've identified a problem. We've identified a challenge obviously. Right. And so we're obviously not trying to do it in a, try to give that person as much privacy as needed. If that's the route that we've got to go take. Um, if you suspect that kind of heat illness management, but maybe a lot of us, uh, as athletic trainers, we're not trained that way. We're not trained in the public that way. And, uh, I think that 's something that 's evolving right now, and that 's why we want to bring in some of those heat illness management specialists uh, s- experts and talk through it, maybe work through it, and then help educate more of our public so that they realize we 're not just trying to do this uh, in some way to open i mean there 's a medical from, reason yes, why exactly. you have to
0: do it if it 's the most appropriate way <clears throat> to check a temperature and you're going to base decisions on management of that individual with that temperature, we've got to do something and we've got to make sure that it's done correctly because, you know, even with things like blood pressure, if you don't know how to check it and I'm about to prescribe a medicine based on inaccurate data, that's not going to lead to a good outcome, no matter what the situation <coughs> is. So, you know, we talk about situations where we have heat illness. And then the other thing I often wonder is when you are there in the field Is there a way to know if the athletes are getting in enough hydration? I mean, you start with the basics, making sure that you're staying hydrated, you're getting good sleep, you alluded to earlier, you're eating before you do some type of an activity. It's kind of funny when I think about it, that would be a question you would ask is, did you eat breakfast this morning? And it's probably not one of my ABCs that I would think of in an ER or in a clinic situation, but that makes... Absolute perfect sense when you're dealing with track and field, if somebody got exhausted and they passed out and there's no other reason why that would happen, yeah, what'd you eat what'd you drink? These are all big questions
1: so i mean i'm I'm thankful that we have an organization and a lot of colleagues that will help do that uh, the uh, in the public schools here in Hawaii for over twenty years, yes, over twenty years. Uh, every public high school has had a full-time athletic trainer, and we're the only state in all the country, even to this day, that that's true. Now, some of the po- smaller private schools don't have that, but for our public schools we do, and we're thankful that we have those kind of resources to help out with that.
0: Well, and you're at Hawaii Baptist Academy, so they, have, they obviously have an athletic trainer. They've got you.
1: Well, we've actually got two, and I'm very thankful for uh, Hawaii Baptist Academy for allowing uh, us to have two. Uh, as, as I'm here, uh, my colleague is still working and, and covering different things there. And so uh, most of our public schools have two, and some of our larger private schools have two or more. But some of our smaller schools may only have one or none.
0: Well, and that's another reason why I'm happy that we do have this capacity to do the registration in the state and also I hope that although that's in the sunset process that that reevaluated and renewed because I certainly think you're right you are a first responder on the field and that's a very important aspect of what you bring to the table and what your entire profession has brought for the last as you said 20 years to make sure that our students have as much possibility to stay as healthy as possible while they pursue their endeavors we're going to have to do this again time goes too quickly thanks for sharing your expertise with us today if you'd like to hear the show again you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org follow the links to the body show or find us on the HPR app our engineer is David Chong I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak we'll see you next week here on HPR